Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing another message from Psalm 19 that I've already started just a few weeks ago. And so I want to continue that as we try to work our way through uh, verse 7 all the way to verse 14. So today we're going to continue in this, uh, along this path and we're going to be looking at verse 8. But I want to give you the full context uh, which begins in verse 7. So I want to read this to you. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 7, the Word of God says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. Now, as we began looking at this, we've noticed already that these are six statements about Scripture. And that's what I like about this. This is the Scripture talking about itself. This is the Word of God describing itself. And we've given you six lines of thought or six parallel statements that are given to us here. Like this, the law of the Lord in verse 7. Uh, Then verse 8, the testimony of the Lord, and then it goes on to the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear, the judgments uh, that it it talks about. So these are all given to us a statement about Scripture. And then it says this. Notice this. We've already mentioned this, but I want to mention it again because uh, we need to be reminded that it's of the Lord. It's of the Lord given after each of these Uh, lines of thought, it says, of the Lord. It is the covenant name of God, the Creator. Why? And I think it's because it is assuring us that Scripture, which is what all these six parallel statements are, whether it's talking about the law or whether it's talking about the testimony, the precepts, commandments, fear, or judgments, they're all Scripture. They're all characteristics of Scripture. And they are all of the Lord. And you might say, well, why does it say of the Lord? Well, I think it says of the Lord because it assures us that Scripture comes from God. It is the actual Word of God. As Paul puts it in Timothy, it is God-breathed, all of it, all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. And Hebrew says God has spoken in reference to His Word. All Scripture is God-breathed. The Lord is the source, so unmistakably that it is repeated for us in this psalm six times. And I think it's simply so you won't miss it. This is what we have always believed, that the Bible is a divine book. It's not a human book. And the six titles for Scripture here, law, testimony, precepts, commandments, fear, and judgments. There are six characteristics of Scripture. It is perfect. It is sure, right, pure, clean, true. And I can't think of a better passage of Scripture to use for a challenge for the new year than this particular psalm. Now, I know I've also been reading, and I may either do this next week or the week after next. And by the way, I won't go past January in this, but I will probably get through January doing this, and then we'll get right back to the study of Revelation. But I, I do think that this is, is good for us because it gives for us a very basis and a very reason or a hope as to why we are to read the Word of God. 
Because I think so many Christians just, we get, I don't know whether we get out of the habit or you just, there's just really not a desire to read God's Word. Or as one person told me here recently, God's Word is just dull. It's, uh, it's boring at times. Well, th- that may be, but uh, we're, we're still going to look at the overall view of God's Word. And I think that if you'll spend time in God's Word, you'll find it's not boring. It is very exciting. Uh, it, it, now, every time is not going to be like that, I'm sure, but there are times where uh, you're just going to be exuberant because of the, the, the things that you're finding in there or the things that God reveals to you in there. So these are six characteristics of Scripture. is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. There are six benefits from the Word of God. We've already looked at this too, but it's worthy to mention again. It restores the soul or revives our soul. Makes wise the simple. We looked at last time. Rejoices the heart we're going to look at today. Or enlightens the eyes next week. Endures forever. Produces comprehensive righteousness. It is absolutely stunning summation of the full sufficiency of God's Word. And I can't understand why we would even know this or acknowledge this and yet ignore God's Word. What better way to make sure your path for 2024 is is correct and right and sure than to be in God's Word? As we saw last week, His words making wise the simple. It's us simply bowing before Him and Him giving us clear thinking, discernment, so that our mind is not open to so many voices speaking to us. You really need one voice. That is the Word of God speaking to us, giving us clear direction and discernment for all that we're going to be facing this year. So I want to get right into this as we uh, open back up to Psalm 19 and get into verse 8. Psalm 19 verse 8 is really what our focus is today. And it's on joy, believe it or not. Where do you find real joy? That would be a question we can ask ourselves. Well, if we're, we're honest with ourselves, we know the Bible says that. That the Bible gives us our joy. It comes from the Word of God as it is applied to living the right kind of life, walking the right path, letting the Word of God dwell in you richly, as Colossians 3.16 says. Joy in life is not from what we possess. It's not how big our bank account is. And you don't have to be a Christian very long before you realize that. We know that's true. We just need to be reminded of it. Uh, it's like Jeremiah. I can't, when I think about the joy of, 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 of the Scripture and not coming from, uh, from the riches or popularity, uh, I, I think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a, really an amazing prophet. He, not a very popular prophet. I think even today, most people don't even read Jeremiah. And back then, everybody rejected the Word of God through him. They didn't even want to hear him. But he said this. He said, talking about God's Word, Your words were found, and I did eat them. And your Word was in me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Man, there's a man who's not dependent on his popularity, and it's a good thing because he didn't have any. But there's a man who's dependent upon God's Word, and he's finding joy in it, and he says, the rejoicing of his heart. 
He found joy and he was the only one who obeyed the word of God. You I mean you read that? He was a lonely prophet. Uh, we know him as the weeping prophet. Uh, and, 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 and again, we know everybody disobeyed. Everybody rejected him. In fact, I don't know if you know much about Jeremiah, but they threw him in a pit. But the word was the joy of his heart, not his circumstance of life. And in, in fact, I think, isn't this what the Apostle John writes about in 1 John? These things are written, what? That your joy may be, what? Full or complete. 1 John says that. So where do you get your joy? Does it come from when just things are going right? Does it come because you've been paid some accolades or praises? Or does it come because the circumstance of life or you got a new job? Well, not if you're really honest with yourself. You know that's not where it comes from. It doesn't come from some ambition fulfilled. True, lasting, unassailable, impregnable joy comes through the Word of God, known and obeyed, as one writer puts it. That's where our joy comes from. And so this is what this verse is actually looking at. Where is it's really asking the question, uh, where does your joy come from? In fact, it reminds me again of Luke chapter 11, I think it says, uh, verse 26 or 28, it says, Happy are those who hear the word and obey it. That's real happiness. That's genuine happiness. It's genuine joy, as we could call it. Jesus explained the Old Testament to, be, on the, to the disciples, and I, I love this story. <coughs> on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus appeared with the disciples walking, I want to read you a verse out of that in, in Luke chapter 24. Uh, as they were uh, being, they were walking with this man, they thought they didn't know who he was, and finally uh, it's, it's, it, they realized it was Christ, and then he vanished from them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and it says, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And, you, you know, I've often thought about that. I can't imagine the moment that their eyes were open and they realized, man, here we've been talking about the Bible, and suddenly Jesus is walking with them, resurrected, because they were gloomy because in the, three days ago he had died on the cross. But here they are walking on the road the Emmaus, and they realize Jesus has been walking with them. And think about this. And then they realized, man, our hearts, when he was talking about the scriptures and explaining them to us, and boy, I'd love to have that tape. I'd love to be able to play that back. How he took the word of God, which back then all they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. So he took the Old Testament and he probably painted for them pictures, portraits of Christ all through the Old Testament. I can't imagine what that must have been like. They can't either. That's why it says, did our hearts not burn within us? And I think that burning was a joy. I think they had a deep sense of abiding joy in that. As they realized that the scriptures were just being explained to their fullest. They understood them that day better than they had ever seen the scriptures. And I would imagine that day, 
stayed with their memory for the rest of their lives. And so this passage is talking to us about something. It's talking to us about, number one, it's talking about the precepts of the Lord. It gives, the, it gives us this word precepts. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. This looks at Scripture as doctrines. Now, th- that might be an unusual place to, to go today to look at this because doctrine doesn't have a very good taste in its mouth. Uh, we don't have a good taste in our mouth when we look at doctrine. A lot of people don't. Well, these are not, uh, these are not good subjects because, you, you know, your church is too doctrinal or too theological. And doctrine uh, is too hard for people. It divides them and it gets them confused. Or, but no, this, this, this passage in Psalms tells us something different. This looks at Scripture as doctrines. Precepts are doctrines. They're not suggestions. They're not nice ideas. They are not sort of floating truths that become reality, uh, being lived out only through your experience. These are not sort of uh, things just out there. These are absolute truths. And that's what this is saying about the Word of God. They are precepts, or most translations might say they are the statutes. And we find that word used uh, uh, many times in Psalm 119, the parallel passage to this. But whether they're called precepts, or whether they're called truths, or whether they're called statutes, it's a very strong word used here. They are divine doctrines and we're found in Scripture. They're not suggestions for life. They are absolute principles for behavior, principles for living life. Regardless of whether we think it's too theological or too doctrinal, everything in the Bible is doctrine. Doctrine, by the way, don't let that word scare you. Doctrine simply means a truth, a truth established or a truth communicated, a truth understood. You don't want to live your life without doctrine. You you just can't. Divine precepts. And so Scripture is divine doctrine, and it says it is right. You see how it says that? The precepts of the Lord are are right. Now, it doesn't mean right as opposed to wrong. This is not right as opposed to wrong. Uh, It means right, it's the right path as opposed to the incorrect path. So it is doctrine that lays out a right path. Now, last time we talked about making wise the simple, Closing our thoughts, our minds to so many ideas and truths that the world wants to flood our minds with. And it gives us a discernment so that we can choose the right things, the right path. And here we are again, talking in verse 8 about the right path. So it's a right path that doctrine plays a role in this, it is saying. In fact, if we had time, we could go to Psalm 119 it says, and there it says, The law of the Lord is the light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. In other words, in Psalm 119, it, it, is, it is a light, it is a lamp, it is also the path. In other words, it's everything. It's the path, the lamp, and the light. This is the way. Walk in it. This is how you go through life's maze. This is how you navigate the world. You wander through this dangerous world with all of its deceptions, all of its uh, evil, 
<coughs> it's becoming more and more violent. My son and I were talking about the evil in this world. We just we're constantly saying we just live in a very evil world at this time. And I told him last night, I said it, it, it is going to get much more evil. During the tribulation period, it is going to be, I think, the most evil it has ever been. But this gives us a path because we don't know when that time is coming. It might be near. It might be this year. It could be. But this gives us a path as we navigate through this dangerous, evil, wicked world, this deadly world, this deceptive world, this confused world with all of its pitfalls, all the horrors that are out there. You navigate this thing. And that's what we want to do in 2024 is for the Lord to give us the path laid out so that we're able to navigate through the, the mush or the muck and the mire, through the, all of the vicissitudes of life that are going to come our way, possibly. We don't know what's coming. You navigate. You do it, this passage says, with a joyful heart because you stay on the right path. Our heart knows when it's following the right path. And our heart knows when it's being fed true Word of God. It can rejoice Look at how it says this in Psalm 19, verse 8. The precepts are right. It says rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. True joy comes from following God's Word. And when you're following God's Word and you're walking on that path, I think here's what, here's what it's saying. Is that your heart knows it. Your heart, it rejoices the heart. And, and I think we, we can sense that. We would, we would be the first to answer when we're on that path. Now think about that this year. If being, think about uh, just looking ahead in, into February and thinking about, I got through January because I was on the right path. I believe that your heart <clears throat> would be a testimony to that fact. Letting you know that you're on the right path because it is full of joy. Full of joy. I, and I think that that's an obvious thing that we're seeing here. Uh, is that when we do, our heart knows it. Didn't our hearts burn within us? The apostles said, or the disciples said, as they were on that road with Onimaeus, with, when Jesus enlightened them and, and explained to them. Well, listen, let me tell you something. We don't have the road of Emmaus, to Emmaus, to Emmaus, but we do have the author of the Scripture that we pray to. We have the same Jesus to explain to us His own Word. And let me tell you something. You know as well as I do, our hearts still can say they burned within us when the Scripture was illumined and I saw the truth. Man, I have said so many times from the pulpit, that I, I read a verse of Scripture that I know I must have read dozens of times, and then God turns on that light. And when God turns on that light, you see it. You, you understand it. It becomes, it's, it's just like it just, it's in bold print on that page. It's, it's like I was telling somebody the other day, it's, it's like God just wrote that in my Bible last night. It wasn't there last week. That's the way you feel because I didn't see this last time. 
and our heart burns within us as He uses His Holy Spirit to illumine the Scriptures, explain the Scriptures, lay them out, making wise the simple in such a way that we can discern the true voices to listen to this year. So where do you find your joy? Well, I hope it's in the Word of God. But there's another statement here. Look at what it says here. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. We see that. The Word of God does that for us. And that's what we want this year. We want the Word of God to rejoice our heart, to bring us that joy going through all of 2024 as fast as I know it's going to go, to go through it with joy. But then look at the second part of verse 8. It says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord, well, that speaks of Scripture as divine decrees as well. Divine mandates. They are authoritative. They are, as one writer puts, they are sovereign. They're binding. They're not optional demands by God on man. Disobedience means judgment, and obedience means reward. The commandments, as the New American Standard says, are pure. That's what my translation says, is pure. But I think think the better translation is the commandments of the Lord are clear. And that word is, 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 can be defined as loosed or transparent. The, the, the commandments of the Lord are easily understood, accessible. And I think that's what the writer is telling us. This is what David sees in the Word of God. He sees that they're very clear. It's clarity. It gives clear direction for life. I have had so many people say this, and you may be one who said it. Well, the Bible's not very clear. It's confusing. Well, there are people who would like us to think the Bible is dark and muddy and ancient and out of date and even irrelevant, and we can't grasp its meaning because it's too old of a book. But there have been many movements in modern times against the clarity of Scripture. And yet our Lord expected the unbelieving Jew of his day to understand their own Old Testament because he repeatedly, repeatedly said it to them. Have you not read? you remember him talking like that? Have you not heard? Have you not read? Do you not search the scriptures? It was all there, very clearly laid out in such a way as that Jesus said, you should know this. In fact, he said the same thing to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You being the teacher of Israel, do you not know these things? And they were responsible for it. All the writers of the New Testament wrote these massive epistles that we love and cherish. Take the epistles of Paul and sent those epistles to Gentiles. No religious history at all. No Old Testament knowledge. And wrote them these profound words. If you, don't want, to know, if you want to know how profound they are, read Romans. Just, or read Colossians. Read Philippians. Galatians. Explaining the intricacies of the doctrines of grace and salvation to a bunch of first-generation believing pagans. Fresh new babes in Christ. There's no excuse for people who don't understand the Scripture, especially those who have been redeemed 
and sanctified and set on a right path who are now illumined by the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, this, this passage here in Psalm 19, I think it's very clear when it says, and I'll read it again, the commandments of the Lord is pure. But let me read it with that better translation. The commandment of the Lord is clear. It's clear and it enlightens our eyes. It's more than just pure. It's clear. We see. We see the truth. I just wonder sometimes if we're just looking for excuses to not read the Word of God. To just not get into it. And we, we see this, and, and the, the, the Bible tells us that reading the Word of God rejoices the heart. It is the path of joy. And, and you think, well, how can this be the path of joy? How, scripture, then, if it's, it's clear and transparent, translucent, it's not opaque, it's not hard, then why the effect of that? Why do I not see that? Why do I not get that? Well, those who say the Word of God is not clear have a problem with this. A lot of other things. If I were to tell you the Bible is crystal clear, and you've been sitting there saying for years, it's not clear. I don't understand it. Well, what do you do with that statement? Well, you have to understand that statement in light of the Scripture. I tell you what the Scriptures are saying. In fact, you remember this. There's, uh, unless you become like a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom. Jesus says, been revealed unto babes. Unless you become that child, you're not going to understand. The commandments of the Lord, I believe, what Jesus has been saying through all of the, even the four Gospels. The commandments are clear. Otherwise, they're pointless commands. Think about that. How could God hold us responsible to obey what we can't understand? Well, let me make this clear. Let me, let me make this simple. It says the commandments of the Lord is pure or clear. Now, clear, and this is in the very general sense of the word clear. This, is mean, this can mean surface reading. They're clear that you understand it. It's, in fact, we go back to, to the beginning of this psalm, and we see, I, I told you it was divided into two parts. The first part being verses 1 through 6, and it speaks of the general revelation of God and it's seen in his in his we see his glory through the the his creation and he uses the sun in particular and specifically to talk about the heavens declaring and shouting out the glory of God that's general revelation clear enough for everyone to see it then we get over to the new testament and we find Romans chapter 1 and we read that man is without excuse. That he is able to see through God's own creation that God is and that he's all powerful and man is held with man is without any excuse. That's just a general revelation this Bible's telling us. But specific revelation, very specific revelation, begins in verse 7 when God speaks to us. Through his word. In fact, this could actually be read the same way as we read the, the creation. The creation declares the glory of God. Well, so does his written word. It declares the glory of God. 
the creation itself, and specifically the Son, shout out the glory of God. Well, so does the Word of God. So whether it's general or specific, they both declare the glory of God. And with that statement, it would be pointless to say that you obey this and this and this, but you've got to be a Christian to understand it. That's not what he's saying. No, when it's the, the, the Ten Commandments are given. They're given to pagan nation. And it's things like do not steal, do not kill. Well, we know what that means. Do not bear false witness against a neighbor. Honor thy father and thy mother. Those are all very clear. How can you hold us responsible to obey something if they were written with a little bit of ambiguity to it? To say the Bible isn't clear is to then indict God as having set up an impossible situation where He is commanding us to do what isn't clear. Well, it is clear. Enlightening the eyes, it says. That's what the next part of verse of chapter 19 of Psalm, Psalm 19, uh, verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. Well, it says enlightening the eyes. So clear, it makes everything too clear. Too clear. In fact, I'm going to spend a lot more time on that next week because I, I want to be able to give that some, some time there in looking at that enlightening the eyes. But how clear can it be? Well, I think it could be so clear that it glorifies God and it baffles the mind as to how clear God's Word can be. You've seen it. You've seen times when you just could not understand how you were understanding God's Word. How God opened, it, opened up your eyes and it illumined the truth and how fascinating and exciting it was that the truth was being shown to you. It's just it's like an unbelievable miracle to say that and, and to see that that's how God works and moves. In fact, enlightening the eyes, but then look at what, what He does. And I'm not going to cover this, but I wanted to just show you something real quick. It says in, in verse 8, <clears throat> the last part, enlightening the eyes. And then the next one is the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever. And that is going to take you right into worship. That's how clear it can be. It can be clear enough to put you into worship. It can cause your heart to want to bow and to worship Him. And we're going to cover more of that next time. <clears throat> so, I don't want to go too far with this. But boy, this stuff is rich there is a ton of information here, information that I think we need, and we need to be able to read it, study it, live in it. As uh, Howard Hendricks used to say, living in the truth of the Word of God. Live in God's Word for a while. And I think you will find yourself rejoicing. You will find that the Scripture rejoices the heart. You'll find a joy, and you'll be able to answer this question where do you find real joy? You'll be able to answer it this year. When somebody asks you that, or if you, that question comes up, you'll be able to say, I find real joy reading God's Word. <clears throat> now, what a testimony that would be. To be able to answer that way, not because it's trying to, you're trying to make yourself look spiritual, 
but because that's where your true joy comes from. Reading God's Word. Well, for now, this has been another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. Again, my name is William Rogers, and I thank you for joining me on Psalm 19, looking at where do you find real joy. Thank you.